1: That's comte-usa.com.
2: This episode is supported by Angry Orchard. HRN is teaming up with them to host a virtual event all about American Cider. Check it out at heritageradionetwork.org/slash cider.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your guest host, Carlos Descas. I'm so excited for today's show. Today, we will talk about the work of a new organization in cheese, the Cheese Culture Coalition. Today, I have three other people involved in the organization. There's other people. Uh, but they, these three people are involved as part of the board of directors. They are Whitney Roberts, Ajayla Abdullah, and Kira James. Welcome to the show, everyone.
4: Thank you for Thank having me. Thank you. Us. <laughs> it's
5: awesome to be
3: here. Uh, for everyone listening, today's show is being recorded from many places. I am myself in Mexico. Uh, where are everyone today
5: recording from?
4: Um, I, Whitney, am in uh, Virginia. I'm in Williamsburg, Virginia right
5: now. Hi, this is Ajayla. I'm in Chicago.
3: This is awesome. And of course, cutting the Curd and the Heritage Radio Network is uh, based in New York City. And so we have a truly US and even North America show today. Uh, with that, I want to start with the questions. Uh, as people know, this is very laid back. We are all friends here. And we just want to learn from uh, what you are uh, doing. I'm going to start with Whitney with some uh, questions that we have uh, talked about, uh, just for you know making things easier for everyone. Uh, so Whitney, could you tell our listeners um, uh, about you, what you've been doing, kind of your work before you started this important work uh, with the organization.
4: Yeah. Um. So my name is Whitney. I am um the president and um the founder of the Cheese Culture Coalition. Um. We'll probably end up referring to it a lot of times as CCC uh, throughout this discussion. Uh, just a heads up. Um. I started my cheese career probably about eight years ago, I feel like. Um, I started out as a monger at Whole Foods, and then I ended up, um, like all of us do, I just became obsessed with cheese, and I wanted to learn everything I could about it, so I ended up taking my CCP, and um, then I started working at a dairy and making cheese um, called Pure Luck Dairy in Central Texas. It's in Dripping Springs, Texas, in the Hill country there. And simultaneously, I was also teaching classes at a place called Antonelli's. um, That's a cheese shop there in Austin. I still currently teach classes with them, even though I'm in Virginia. Um, Just, you know, they pivoted, obviously, (laughs) because of the pandemic and whatnot. So, teaching classes with them. A lot of stuff kind of overlapped. I had a couple of kids in between, um, but that's kind of my career in a nutshell so far.
3: <laughs> that's wonderful. And I apologize. I uh, called the organization the Culture Cheese Coalition, and it is actually Cheese Culture Coalition.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> all righty. Um, well, that sounds like a full plate, and <laughs> it's so fun that you're still teaching for for um, the the. Uh, Antonelli's, uh, and I actually didn't know about the cheese making. Um, mm. And in the newsletter that I just went out, uh, we actually have a uh, cheese from the pure log. So that is, mm-hmm. you know, like everything in cheese is very small. Uh, we know all of each other. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so tell us about the organization. What what sort of motivated you? What is um, what is the organization? About?
4: Um, So I started the organization about a year ago now at this point. Um, We are a nonprofit with the goal of increasing equity and inclusion and diversity within the cheese industry. Um, We're doing that through education of the BIPOC community. Um, We have two programs. We've got the cheese education grant that is awarded to... BIPOC individuals that want to start or advance or um, continue their careers in cheese. It's an open-ended grant um, that we hope to be starting this year. And then we also have the cheese education program that we've already started, and that um, is where we bring cheese education directly to schools with um, some of our instructors instructors go to the schools. We can teach kids a cheese 101 class. We can teach um, and just basically directed towards whatever the kids are learning if we do it, uh, through like a school situation. So if it's a biology class, they'd be learning about pasteurization. We can teach them about cheese and literature. If it's a literature class, we just want to make sure that we're making cheese accessible to those BIPOC students that we are teaching. Um, I started the organization, um, because basically my entire career, I've almost exclusively been the only BIPOC individual behind the counter at all the places that I have worked, um, specifically like the only black woman, um, behind the counter or in any, in any cheese situation, (laughs) um, I, you know, that's something that I always noticed. I always felt that. And, um, I just, in, in any kind of cheese situation that we were in, it's always been, there's always been a lack of diversity, um. The industry as it is, I know that I had to do something that was going to make cheese accessible to people um, and to get it to marginalized communities. So I started the CCC.
3: (laughs) That sounds uh, wonderful. Could you, um, for people that don't know because they live under a rock, sorry, (laughs) but um, what do you mean by BIPOC? Uh,
4: BIPOC is Black, Indigenous, or a Person of Color is what it stands for.
3: All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, And so I, um, you know, of of course, you and I have talked about this. I have tried to attend to some of the the meetings that you have had online. And, you know, I I have followed and also read your vision online, which is kind of interesting that, you know, is one of these visions a la uh, sort of Sing Train, uh, the DCTA, which I had a show last Uh, last time about, you know, and this idea of visioning for the future. And I think these are very interesting that have become part of kind of this conversation in in, in cheese. Um, So you definitely paint sort of like wonderful picture, very personal picture of what you want for the future. Um, But, you know, as we know, plans change. Um, So what do you think is the one thing that you want to achieve in the next five years um, that you can share with people?
4: Um, well, we have, you know, our goals. Like you were saying, we have our goals of how many kids we want to be teaching. We have our goals of um, how many grants we want to give out, and all of that is all of that is the same as my vision. Um, Fifteen hundred and five people is what we'll be able to share cheese with. Individuals will be able to share cheese with. Um, I really think that what we want to achieve in the next five years is, I think and I know that we can do this, is change the cheese industry. Um, I know that all of us on the board, um, we are BIPOC individuals in this industry. We're all telling our stories. We're all speaking to our experiences. And I think that, um, that in order for us to really be able to make an impact and really be able to um, share the love of cheese and the passion of cheese that we have, with these kids, um, we're going to have to make sure that the industry is a place that's welcoming for them when they come into it as well, um, and welcoming and accepting of them um, when when they're ready to when they're ready to start their careers in cheese. So I would say the one thing that we're going to be doing, and the one thing that I hope to do, it sounds kind of like a general thing and kind of like an obvious thing, but um, I think it's just to change the cheese industry and change the lack of diversity within it. So.
3: Cool, and so you know, you say change the cheese industry. Um, you know, for people that are like-minded, you know, we all, I mean, me as a as, as a Latino, of course, I want that change. Um, we many of us know that it needs to to change, and the change is, is not only important for for sort of the obvious non-representation that we have, at, but you know, to actually be more welcoming and open. Uh, for, for other for other people. But do you think the industry is ready for it?
4: Um, I am going to say yes and no to this question. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that the answer for me comes a lot from just my experience as a person of color in the industry and also from running this organization, um, running the Cheese Culture Coalition. There's been a ton of organizations that have organizations and individuals that have, um, supported us in a genuine way. Um, they've, you know, helped us along in building this organization and they truly want to make cheese more diverse and that's obvious. Um, but we also have a lot of people that, um, that don't know how to support diversity in the industry. And, and, in, in that fact, they end up um doing a lot of things in like a self-serving way they basically are trying to ask us to help them um try to figure this part out um and asking us for things that aren't really what our organization does um like coming to us and asking us for help and then when we give them ways that they can truly help we don't ever hear back from them um so to me this reads as like a stagnant situation i think a lot of people um might not be willing to do the tough work to make the industry diverse. But I also think that for it to be truly diverse, people are going to have to look within their organizations um, and say, are we really doing what we need to do to increase diversity, equity, inclusion within the cheese industry? And then I think that the cheese industry will actually be ready once once that happens.
0: Right.
3: And um, so, you, you know, we, of, of course, kind of just, I, and I just thought about this, is like we're talking about the industry as what we understand as the industry but you know we know that uh, people that are listening to cutting the curd are some of them are cheese makers and they're listening right now while they're doing the, the dishes you know cleaning the plant and all that and this is the moment that they listen to the show uh, but there's also people that uh, are in the counter and they you know hear uh, the show maybe when they're closing the store uh, and you know cleaning the cleaning the, the store uh, or Um, you know, distribution center or whatever it is. Um, And and then there's people, you know, that take care of animals and they maybe are listening to these podcasts, you know, while they're attending to the animals. So the industry is actually quite large and and quite diverse in the the sort of uh, task that people have. And um, do you think there is one part of the industry that is actually more, um, you know, what what you say is sort of like, Cognizant of the need to change, ready to to do it, but don't need to know how to do it. And then there's other parts of industry that maybe are quite successful at, at, at creating um, you know diversity and inclusion. Uh, it's just that we don't see those parts of the industry.
4: I will kind of let Jayla answer this question whenever she, because I know that part of her answer um, is going to probably answer this. I feel like that what's happened so far has been a lot of um, just like smaller parts of it, not uh, that have been more supportive as far as our organization goes. I think that, um, I mean, I think that a lot of people that have really loud voices haven't been as as supportive um i hope that kind of answers the question sure that's how, that's that's, <laughs> been, that's been our experience so far at least
3: Yep. Yeah. no i understand uh well um i think i'm gonna send to a break uh right now we are gonna come back and talk to uh jayla and kira as well um but we are gonna take a brief break uh to hear from our sponsors
1: This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté Cheese Association represents the Comté PDO, Comté Protected Designation of Origin, in the USA. Comté is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fritiers. This milk must be transformed into Comté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Comté. Comté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Comté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Comté is the same, That's C-O-M-T-E-hyphen-U-S-A dot com.
3: Okay, welcome, everyone. Um, I'm Carlos Yescas, your guest host for uh, Cutting the Curve today. And I'm talking today with Whitney Roberts, Jayla Abdullah, and Kira James. We've been talking about the work uh, of their uh, newish organization. I would say still a, a, a new organization. And um, we heard before from Whitney, who is serving as the president of the board. And now we're going to hear from Ajayla. Uh, hello. <laughs> How are you?
5: Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for, for having us on. This is this is so great. I, I love cutting the curve.
3: <laughs> this is great. Uh, so, uh, Ajayla... Could we start with a brief introduction. I know you, but uh, I don't know that other people would know you. And I think it'll, it'll be great to hear from you um, about sort of your career in cheese, uh, your you know your other advocacy work, anything you want to tell us.
5: Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for for having us on. And uh, this is this is such a treat to be able to talk to the <laughs> to the cutting the curd audience. Um, so my my name is Ajala, and my career in cheese officially started in two thousand and eight working for pastoral artisan cheese bread and wine here in chicago um Before that, I was a cook and had started getting into artisan cheese. I was always uh working for restaurants that were either uh local focused or were doing you know getting cheese directly from from the uh the cheese maker and since starting at Pero I've been uh, you know I was a monger I've been a manager I've been a cheese buyer and I'm currently the director of marketing for a cheese manufacturer in the suburbs of Chicago um, I I, <laughs> I don't want to say I do any advocacy work what I do I am a I am a helper I try to help where I can and here in Chicago I um, for me, that means uh, helping with some mutual aid, um, offering <laughs> offering um, donations to protest organizations and to um, a couple of other organizations that focus on um, marginalized people. So there's the Chicago Freedom School, um, which has a focus on black and brown youth. There is Good, C- Good Kids Mad City, um, which is... Kind of what it sounds like. Um, these are black, primarily black and, and brown uh, youth working to affect change in Chicago. And there was also the uh, Black Space uh, Alliance, which is um, the only black led BIPOC. I'm going to say BIPOC. BIPOC led organization. It's here on the south side of Chicago, and they focus on LGBTQIA. Uh, plus um, needs. And they also, while, while focusing on, on those communities, they also give back to their own community with food donations and clothing. So I, I, I try to help where I can <laughs> um, and, and to raise awareness about those organizations as well.
3: Thanks for that work. Um, I, I know it's important that you do it, and I would say that that is advocacy. Um, but we can disagree <laughs> on that. Um, you, um, inclusion and equity in the Chisinau history, have been in your mind for a long time. Um, uh, we talked about it <coughs> before the pandemic. Uh, uh, you, I, I would say that you may be the most experienced uh, one in the in the show. Uh, not only working on these issues, but maybe even um, the more senior monger among us. Uh-huh. But what do you think is different now that we can have these conversations? Conversations, obviously, about yeah. inclusion and equity.
5: Yeah. Um, you know, if if I'm going to be honest, the difference is mm-hmm. that on May 25th, 2020, the entire world watched uh, George Floyd... Uh, his, his murder. And the the world could not ignore it at that point. Um, and they couldn't ignore the state-sanctioned violence against people of color and especially black people. One of the things that happened, um, there were so many things that, that, that went on, but one of the things that happened is people... Uh were shocked, even though this was something that had happened before previously. there have been a history of uh police brutality against peoples of color people uh were very shocked it was for those who watched the video, it was a turning point. I did not watch the video um and the The difference is this didn't happen in 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 an isolated moment um and people having watched that felt compelled to do something and the world felt compelled to say something and we as as uh, marginalized people and especially as black people in this country had not received that support it, not in my lifetime, <laughs> um, you know, perhaps in my mother's during the civil rights movement, but not in my lifetime have we received that kind of support. And it became the first time, really in the in my industry experience, um that I and other people of color and um, black black people in the industry were being offered a space to be heard. um. So there there were a lot of people I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like this was something brand new to the industry. There were a lot of people in the industry who have been working towards a more inclusive industry for years and have been supportive of different causes for years. Um but this is the first time that I felt as a black woman acknowledged in the industry um and listened to.
3: Yeah, I am um... When I was coming up with this question, I I, I kept going back to that moment. And, and I think that, you know, for a long time during the beginning of the pandemic, uh, a big com- part of the conversation of frontline workers was about how COVID was affecting disproportionately uh, Black um, and, and brown people. And then seeing someone get murdered uh, was so shocking. Like you, I didn't see the video. I didn't need to see the video to, to know um, what type of violence is possible uh, against Black men. Um, and, and I, I agree. Um, this kind of builds into uh, the, the same question that I had asked Whitney before. Um, we know that the industry it needs to diversify. Um, uh, but do you think the industry is ready for it?
5: Um, <laughs> no, I I don't think, you. Know, when I say no, I, I want people who are listening to understand. I don't mean necessarily you specifically, you know, my friend Jane Doe, I don't mean you. What I mean is the industry as a whole. <clears throat> Excuse me. So earlier you were talking about how large the industry is. You know, you've got everyone from You know, the people who are doing the animal husbandry to the people who are, you know, you've got distributors, you've got mongers, you've got, you know, makers, you've got, you know, the business people who are making decisions but aren't, you know, by the vat anymore. Um, The industry as a whole is not ready. Um, I think in in my experience, if I'm going to make paint with broad strokes here, I will say that the industry for me breaks down into three camps. You have a group of people who want to believe that they want change. These are people who end up doing a lot of virtue signaling um, and performative actions. You have another group of people who want to affect change and don't know where to start. And then you have people who don't see any reason to change. And in each of these groups, you can break it down even a little bit more. So in group number one, um, you have people who... Posted a black square on their Instagram, they retweeted a post, um, and they feel like, okay, we had our protests and everything, and now we're done, and they want to stop the conversation. They feel they feel like you know maybe it's taking up too much time or you know it's it's a hard thing to deal with, and they don't want to have to put themselves through that any longer. In the second group of people, you also have a group of people who truly want to help and truly mean it. Um, But you also have a group of people who want to help, but also want marginalized people to take on those unpaid labors of guiding them to the right thing. I'm kind of echoing a bit what Whitney said. Um, These people are, these folks are, are looking to us on how can we change the system that we didn't have a hand in building. Um and then they get upset when when people marginalized people say, "No, I'm not going to do this labor for you. I'm not going to uh you know, it's an emotional labor, it's a physical labor, it's a mental labor and asking us to do this for you to fix a system that you created and that we are just trying to get our foot in is is really unfair um and it's hurtful and then you have another group of people who um who say that we need to rebuild the industry that you know because of covid i mean i we all know dozens of of cheese makers of mongers of retail shops People who need help who have been hurt by COVID, in in ways we never anticipated, um, and the people in the third group are very keen on building the industry, and they say things like, "Well, once we get things to back to where they were, then we can look at DEI," and they they. Adding diversity to the build is seen as being, as taking away from the industry. Um, instead of seeing that when we add diversity, when we add equity and inclusion, it's going to make a more powerful industry. We're going to be stronger and, you know, having this diversity is what's going to keep our industry alive and thriving. Um, so yeah. And, and again, these are, I'm painting with broad strokes, um, but if we look at the industry as a whole, the entire thing, from from grass to <laughs> to conference, the answer for me is no.
3: Thank you. And um, of course, um, you know, if you if you're a listener and still here, this is part of the hard work to hear uh, kind of these answers, uh, because we are being here completely honest. And as I, as I said, this is emotional labor that we have to do that, uh, you know, I In my other shows, I have not asked uh, the white people to tell me a response to diversity and equity. It is very specific what we're trying to do here, and so I thank you, uh, Jayla, for that. Um, uh, I had one last question that that we kind of talked about a little bit before. and and you sort of reference the other work that you do in Chicago and all, all the all the other again advocacy, I would say, that you do there. How is the the, the work that you um are joining in with, with the organization uh to do uh different from that? Or what have you brought from sort of that that um work uh that helping, as you call it, uh, of other organizations to this one? Okay.
5: Um first I, I need to make a correction. Um I, I think I said Black Space Alliance, and I'm like, why did I say that? It's Brave Space Alliance. So I wanna um clarify that. Um Thank you. So in in June of of twenty twenty, I did an Instagram live talk with the then executive director of ACS, Karen. Um and I I found out (laughs) afterwards that someone in the comments had asked if I had a Venmo and one of my, my friends, um, gave them my name and, and a couple of people donated, which I thought, oh, okay. And I turned around and turned that, those donations into, uh, mostly groceries for, for people who were out of work and struggling. Um, and it kind of, that to me was an like a, 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 an aha moment, if you will, um, where I realized that for whatever reason, I had wedged my foot in the door um, and there was a little bit of a crack and that if I kept going, I could help open that door wider. And so when when Whitney um announced the uh cheese culture coalition i i waited a bit and and then i i just sent her an email and said you know do you need help <laughs> and mm-hmm. she was just like yeah i can use your help and i i you know i'd never w- done work for a nonprofit before um but the work to me is it's very similar so when i when I donate or when I try to um, bring attention and awareness to the social groups here in Chicago that I support and that I believe in, I'm doing it, I don't want people to forget. I want to keep that awareness in front of them. I want them to keep listening. And at this moment, people are currently listening to us. So I feel... Uh, it's, a, it's a combination of a responsibility and a privilege to be able to do that. And with the, the CCC, it is the same. It is a responsibility for me to try to uplift and empower marginalized voices. And starting with those younger voices who, you know, if we don't get them into the industry, what does the industry look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Um, so so doing this work with the CCC it's it's more specific to what I do in my career obviously but it feels very much um it feels very similar. My goal is to uplift to empower and to help affect change. Um so you know one of the, one of the things I I appreciate about working with this organization about working with these women that I work with is it was, this is an organization, you know, by us, for us. So this is an organization started by a woman of color and there are women of color on, on the board. And we all have different experiences and backgrounds, but we all have the same goal and that doing that kind of labor feels really good so it's a it's a little bit selfish also I guess um you know, I get a good feeling from 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 doing this kind of labor with people who I know are are in it like really wholeheartedly just in it um, so yeah i hope I hope that answered the question that I didn't get to like squirrely on it um
3: no, that was wonderful and and i and thank you for it i i uh, it is actually very uplifting to to hear that, because um, I think I'll, some sometimes when we're talking about these topics, it's like you know I need to do you know I do this work for you know the many hundred reasons that there's a problem in the world, but what I hear from you is this actually is quite uplifting to me, and I enjoy it, and, and I think that's the best message uh, to leave this here. If we we are trying to uplift um, you know other people and and and, and try to do this. Um, in, a, in a positive way. Thank you, Ajeda. Um, we're we're uh, moving on to uh, Kira. Um, Kira uh, and I know each other from Boston, and, uh, and, uh, but I'm going to let herself introduce herself and, and tell us uh, how she studied in cheese, her career in uh, food, and um, if she wants to tell us what she's up to now.
6: Uh, Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Carlos. Uh, Nice to be here with the gang um, and on Cutting the Curd. Yeah. So I've been in the cheese industry for almost a decade, uh, coming into it as a second career, um, getting my master's degree in the process. Uh, So when I was getting my master's degree, I started at Formaggio Kitchen part-time. And so the rest is history from there, Um, regardless of what my main uh, professional focuses are. uh, Cheese has always been in my life uh, ever since. Uh, Currently, I uh, teach remotely for Antonelli's, um, and I also do some brand marketing work for uh, various food and dairy businesses, and I am currently uh, working on creating my own uh, uh, cheese-centric business of my own, Uh, so stay tuned on that. But yeah, I'm really excited to talk more about the Cheese Culture Coalition.
3: That was wonderful. Um, We're excited to hear, and whenever you're ready to tell us, uh, let us know, and we'll have you again on the show uh, for that um so you as you said you um um have been working in cheese uh for for quite some time uh but you have, in my mind you have always had this sort of concentration in um sort of the education you have worked in adult education uh cooking and health education as you said you're also teaching some classes with the with Antonio's in in Texas your own studies in, in, in astronomy. How are, how do you think your skills um, in in that sort of education work had been brought to the to add to the work that you're doing in the organization?
6: Um, well, I think much like Jayla mentioned and Whitney, you know, we all uh, have these unique experiences. So for me, um, my unique path has sort of given me a focus of education in a lot of ways. Um, and specifically in diversity and education, having uh, worked with counterculture and um, working around the country, educating cheesemongers, cheesemakers, uh, caterers, chefs of all all walks of life uh, sort of gives me a, a really holistic way of communicating about cheese. Um, and so I think that allows for me to take this sort of mission that no one's really tried to do before uh, and put some context and voice behind it, um, taking what we're learning from the different communities we're talking to, what I'm learning from Jayla and Whitney, you know, having those different experiences. But for me, the education and just for me as a, as a you know, morally and my personal growth, education and learning about myself has been a really important part of that process. So sort of uh, taking that unique experience of meeting mongers of all walks of life and then bringing them together in this uh, organization, you know, we're looking for volunteers. Um, in, in an organization, you know, seeking diversity, um, the volunteers don't necessarily look like the, those whom we're gonna be teaching. So bringing together these different voices, um, I do think I have some unique experiences that can lend to that. And with the work of my fellow board members and uh, those answering our volunteer survey and, uh, you know, reaching out to us via our questionnaire, um, we're definitely getting some really nice um, content and we're gonna create something that hasn't been done before. So I'm super excited about it to use what I, what I already have.
2: This episode is supported by Angry Orchard. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio, and I'll be moderating an amazing virtual event with Angry Orchard and Heritage Radio Network on May 26th. We'll be celebrating the release of the new first-of-its-kind book, American Cider, A Modern Guide to a Historic Beverage. I'll be in conversations with the authors, Daniel Pucci and Craig Cavallo. Then we'll welcome Angry Orchard head cider maker, Ryan Burke, for myth-busting about this beverage and an interactive cider tasting. When you order a ticket, you'll also receive a copy of the book. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash cider. Plus, you'll find a link to purchase a hand-selected cider bundle from Angry Orchard so you can taste along with us. Learn more at org slash cider. Okay,
3: listeners, you probably won't know anything happened. But something happened. <laughs> but we are uh, back, and um, we're going to pick up where we left with Kira. And um, we were talking about uh, sort of her previous uh, work in education and what she has uh, brought to uh, to the industry. Because we're not sure where that actually ended. Recording. Um, uh, we are going to move to the next question, and that's okay. And um, and of course, you know, send us your questions if you. Uh, Have any questions about what um, Kira was saying and we will uh, get them back to you. Uh, So I want to ask you also the same question that I asked Whitney and Ajayla uh, about the industry needing to diversify but uh, if the industry is actually ready for it.
6: Um, Yeah, so this is definitely a a tough question. You know, yes or no or yes, but, yes, and are easy to do. Um, But I think what I kind of set it on um, it's sort of the if not now, when mantra. Uh, so I feel like uh, Whitney started this amazing organization. Um, Jayla and I and many other people have joined on to support uh, this amazing cause. Um, and so I feel like as much as it's difficult work, you know, we're starting to have those tough conversations. And, you know, it's really just going to be important for other people to do the same thing um, through education being a really sort of easy way in. You know, people love cheese. Uh, we want to educate our youth. Um, So that seems to be uh, a pretty nice way. Uh, And I think it's working out really well. Um, I think in terms of understanding um, those who may not be BIPOC, you know, their place in, in how to do that or, you know, uh, what diversity means. I don't think it's really known yet. You know, even since we've started this uh this organization, we've uh changed, you know, our approach to talking to educators and students and uh, figuring out the best way to approach it. So, you know, it's an evolving yes, but um I definitely feel like uh the industry is ready because you know, if nothing else, uh the four of us are. So
3: yeah. Uh, uh that is actually the perfect segue to the next question, which is uh as you have all heard, listeners, we are all cheesemongers. We're starting as cheesemongers, and maybe we're not cheesemongers today anymore in the sense of the labor of working on the on the on the floor, which is very different and, and it's a different type of work. Um, but um so the question for you, uh, Kira, is um one could argue that the that the counters are Quite diverse in some parts of the uh, of the United States, as many other low-paying entry-level jobs. But then there seems to be kind of a barrier to people m- to move to other parts of the industry. Uh, of course, is not the example here. You have all the three of you have moved to very different, and but this is not the reality to most people. And uh, and so, what you think is that sort of preventing that that move?
6: Um, I mean, I think a lot of it comes from the place every entry level job you know that that ceiling you know that financial ceiling where you know there's not money being offered to people and so they they they're kind of you know Forced to make tough decisions, you know. As you get older, you need you need you need more things. You know those things cost money. Um, I also feel like apart from that, um, there's a a glamour to the counter. There's a lot of glitz to having that role. Um, at least from my experience, I'm not speaking for everyone, um, but there's not really a lot of that beyond the counter. You know, a lot of the work gets a lot harder <laughs> beyond that point, right? Um, and that's where we haven't really got um, gotten that diversity past because a lot of the work again starts inside the companies with. Um, their understanding of how to make every everyone feel accepted. Um, but definitely, I mean, BIPOC people are eating cheese. They're talking about cheese. You know, I know my communities um, being mostly uh, people of color, I always want to know more about cheese. Always, you know, I have to bring cheese to to events and things. So <laughs> it's just a matter of getting the information to them and, and making them feel as though um, it's meant for them, right? So uh, I think a lot of that is kind of... Uh, of what our work is and I feel like once that's done the people the people's passion won't stop at a monetary number people's passions won't stop at a certain role in a in an industry you know they're create their own um people just need to see it happening around them before they can, you know before they know to do it so that's sort of I feel like where cheese is at right now
3: right and and, and I think that that's very common in other industries as well. Wine, exactly. for example, beer is 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 beer is probably one of that is doing the best. Uh, if, if you consider that there's actual movement within the black and brown communities in that industry. Um, for sure. The I guess the second part of of uh, that, that question is. Uh, what are other parts of the industry that you know? We there may be some diversity at the uh, and, and maybe not inclusion, but you know, definitely diversity at the ground level. But then it sort of gets lost.
6: Um, I think I'd love for maybe a Jayla or someone else to to chime in. I feel like I haven't really been in the industry in that way for quite some time, so it's tough for me to 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 speak. Uh, without making too many assumptions. Um, but I do feel like, uh, you know, just the the, the the front offices, the top offices, ownership, you know, those types of things. But again, it starts at a place where people need to get the finances to uh, then start at, you mentioned wine and beer. Those two industries, you know, definitely being increased uh, in their financial support uh, from uh, venture capitalists and things like that to get the money into those industries. So definitely, uh, I think it's just a matter of time till people start looking at cheese the same way. But yeah, I don't know if a or Whitney... Um, have anything to add
3: to that one? Please chime in.
5: <laughs> um, so I I think, you know, I I agree with what what Kira said. I think a lot of the glamour is is with the with the counter. Um, as far as if you're not a cheese maker, um, I think where I'd like to see more diversity and where I think we are, um position to see more diversity is not just in sales and marketing but distributors like who you know who is the person who's actually taking that cheese from the farm to to the end user you know who who is that person what does that person look like i think it's very easy to um because black and brown bodies have been underpaid and undervalued for so long it's very easy for us to to end up behind the counter and not see other opportunities and i think when you see more people who are who are doing that work you know when you see people at the distribution level when you see people um at the sales and marketing when you see people doing you know the tech work that, that you need to do, like website design and, and things like that, when you see all of these all of these spots and you start seeing more um, colorful people, you know, people of color doing these things, I think that's that's a big help. And we can't do that without the support of our, our bosses or um, the industry as a whole.
7: Um, just sort of mentioning, you know, then the, the people who get those jobs and I was thinking sales specifically as a, as a area that could, uh, support, uh, be supported by a more diverse industry. Um, and I feel like, you know, they, they then go home to their communities and talk about their job. They'd go home with the samples they get from their jobs. You know, they'd go home with those relationships. They travel the world to meet the farmers, you know, that, that they're showcasing. So there's a lot of culture, uh, you know, uh, you know, nurturing in terms of intelligence that can be done as well. So I just want to add that in there.
3: Okay, everyone. Uh, we still have some um, issues here. We wanted to continue this conversation, but um, technology gods were not uh, happy uh, with us. But uh, that's okay. We're going to have uh, the... Um, the Whitney, Ajela, and Kira again uh, to have a more open conversation because what I don't want to leave everyone here is feeling that this is a stifled conversation. Uh, the reality is that we're trying to do this in a pandemic life, for everyone from their houses, and it's not as easy. But uh, having said that, I'm I thank everyone for having stayed with us and listening, and please send us your questions. Uh, I know that we can get uh, enriched by your questions, and we can try to figure out uh, ways to make our industry more accessible and equitable. Uh, Anything else that you guys want to share? Goodbye uh, before I cut it out.
4: Um, I just want to say thank you so much for having us on Cutting the Curd. I was so excited whenever you asked us to to be on here and speak about CCC and just share our views on equity inclusion in the industry. And, um, yeah, thank you for letting us, uh, share our views and speak our truths about it.
3: Thank you. Ajayla. Uh,
5: everything Whitney said, (laughs) um, this has been, um, uh, fantastic. Um, I, I, I love the, the work that Cutting the does. Um, and I'm just excited that, we're able to showcase the triple C and on Instagram, we are cheese culture coalition and we are that also on Facebook. So check us out.
3: Thank you. And Kira.
7: Definitely. uh, Thank you uh, to cutting the curd for having us. I feel like, you know, Carlos, thank you specifically for doing the work to find those curated questions for each of us to really get to the the really important questions so that this podcast can be a well, well done. Um, You know, going back to uh, what this industry needs. uh, This is exactly what we're talking about. So sort of taking this and asking us back again. So looking forward to that. And uh, thank you again to all the technical background people as well.
3: Thank you. Well, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. As Ayala said, they are uh, on Instagram and uh, Facebook. There will be links on our episode show notes. And I thank the sound editors at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, And I also encourage you to follow the Heritage Radio Network for other content like this. Uh, Join us next week for more Cutting the Card. This was Carlos Jeskas. Bye.